It's episode 990, and it's a relevant podcast here in Orlando, back with my normal microphone. Your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Dude, I'm sorry. The last two episodes, it was tough to listen to. My my, my, my borrowed mic up there in Virginia Beach was like different than normal. Uh, anyway, you uh, know. <laughs> that's what happens the when you Yeti. borrow things. Yeah. Uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, and mogul, Derek Miner. What up, though? And from Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, uh, and, and now a podcasting professor. She's launching a podcasting school. Uh, Jamie <laughs> Ivy. Hey, guys. Are you the professor? Are you doing this course you're launching? Are you, are you the one? So me and my team, I don't like doing things alone. Okay. I think doing things alone is scary. Yeah. You know, like if we're going to win together, let's win together. If we're going to fail together, let's fail together. So, so you can blame them. For the failure. So no, look, I blame us all. No, but, yeah, but hey, we do have a course. Don't rob a bank with Jamie. You might as well look. <laughs> no, hey, I'm saying everything's rob. better together. <laughs> That's why we have team sports. That's why there's four of us on this show. It's hey, just look, better. If y'all robbing a bank and Jamie get caught, y'all might as well just turn <laughs> yeah, around. Y'all going down. Say, hey, y'all, we, we rise together. We fail together. Come yeah. on, y'all come on back. Yeah. That's what, that's what, like, the episode of Breaking Bad last night, they were doing, he did like one of his first heists or whatever. And he got these two <laughs> kind of patsies to do it with him. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, after they pulled it off successfully, he literally start, looked at them and he goes, and he named all the charges and the conspiracy stuff that like, if y'all screw with me, I, I'm I'm gonna turn y'all in. So we are now bonded. So you, yeah, yeah that's Jamie right Mutually there. She distru- is a wait, king wait, pin. Yeah. Are you watching a new episode of Breaking Bad? Or Better Call yeah. Saul. Yeah. Better oh, Call okay. Saul. I was, Sorry, all, I was got stressed out because well, you know we've been but, watching that they, this summer and I just started the last season. It blended. So they yeah. caught up oh. and Brian Cranston and, and Aaron Paul showed up on the episode last night. So okay. it's like they, oh, they, they caught up and they've they've now okay. merged. So that's we why just started the very last season and I'm I gotta start watching better calls. Yeah, not much not much happens in the last season, Jamie. Don't oh, worry. I've heard it's the best. Don't worry. It's pretty uneventful. It's just a long vamp on some some familiar themes. So so what I'm saying is Jamie is Saul Goodman. She's basically saying my team is going to go down with Does me. Does Saul come out as a winner? I, have, I haven't watched Better Call Saul. I've only seen him in Breaking Bad right now. Jamie, well, it's all a happy ending. They all turn out to be winners. Yeah, everyone <laughs> learns no consequences listen, for their actions. Exactly. Everyone learns a, a gentle, firm lesson yep. mm-hmm. uh, about uh, meth production. And, you know, everyone, <laughs> it's, it's quite a happy ending. You're not going to believe it. I can't wait for well. you to see yep. the end because it works yep. out well for everyone. <laughs> yeah, It's like a Disney ending. Oh, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad to be back with you guys. I've, I've been traveling a ton this summer. I uh, leave for New York in the morning. I just got back from this road trip where we saw Jesse and some other friends and I've uh, been traveling all over. And then Jamie, oh, I, we were texting the other day and she's like, oh, I'm in Alaska right now. <laughs> like, what, what are you, guys, you traveling? What, what did you do my, in Alaska? First of all, my kids had the best summer of their entire lives. I have looked at them a thousand hey, times and said, yo, this will never happen up. again. This will happen when you're 50. This will never, ever, ever happen again. So we were on an Alaskan cruise. Aaron, my husband and his band were leading worship and I was doing some teaching. And so it was like work, you guys. It was like a work Alaska cruise. The whole family came and my first time to Alaska and my first time to Canada. 
and it was lovely. So this was an Alaskan cruise. So does so does that mean you're doing like cruise like stuff? Or are you doing like are you whale watching? They don't have like things? a Jamaican band on the on the <laughs> pool deck. That's, I'm just trying to get the full picture here. Like they adapt it to the environment. Yeah. So they don't. But what do you because like you know? So I, the excursions yeah. were like whale watching, okay. like things like that. And and we didn't mm. do any excursions, but I did see whales from my balcony. So I feel like I got a good what kind of what kind of whales? Yeah. A big one. I don't know. I, I, I was <laughs> I no idea. It was black and white, maybe. And oh, that's orca. That's a okay. killer whale. That's Shamu. I actually, I'm going to take all that back. I think if I saw an orca, that people would have told me that I saw that. I don't know what it was. It was some big thing that came out of the water. I, I did a road trip down the coast of California from San Francisco uh, to LA a couple years ago, summers ago, and we stopped in Morro Bay about halfway, and that's known mm-hmm. for their boat or their whale watching tours. So one morning, Cohen and I took the whale watching tour, we go out on this little dinky fishing boat out to where the whales were. And he got, he got seasick. So he's like literally laying down, puking, whatever. And as I'm tending to my son, humpback whales are, I'm not kidding. When I say they were within a hundred feet of the boat, jumping full speed out of the water, smashing (laughs) on their side, splashing the boat. Everybody's, you know, like can't believe how close they were. The boat captain was like, this happens one out of a thousand times that they're this close. And I'm like, my son is like, I'm holding his head as he's puking over the side of the boat and humpback whales are just jumping all over around <laughs> us. It was the weirdest moment of my life, but you know, very, very memorable. Listen, this is stressing me out. What oh, keeps Cohen. that humpback whale from humping himself right on top of that boat and killing That's you That's the all? danger. That's why yeah. they don't so go I'm, that I'm close. I'm not in a boat ever. No, I'm That's never why they don't it. go that close because a humpback could have come up and knock yes. the boat. Right. So they, they tend to be like at a far distance. And that's why the captain was like telling us like this never happens because we usually keep our distance, but we can't move now. Let's hope for the best. I, I don't, I don't you see know. the point in, in whale watching and bird watching <laughs> for that matter. Okay. Like if I'm swimming with them, it's one thing. If, if I'm interacting with the birds, it's another, but it's just like, okay, I saw it. I, you know what? I have the internet. I have a phone. In my hand, pretty much all the time. You give me any species of bird, any one, okay? I punch it in and I check it out in about two seconds. I probably watch a video, okay? I don't need to go hike and just look. But and- you, hey man, I'm, you I'm with what? you, bro. No, right, on the balcony, on the balcony with the mountains and the water no, and looking out there no. and spotting the whales. It was it was very very cool. I will say. Let me let me ask this. You are in the most picturesque location in the world. Now, I've never done Alaska cruise. My parents have a number of times. The excursions are you go hike on a glacier, you go see whales, you go experience the grandeur of nature, you go out and do stuff you'll never be able to do it again. And you and your family decide to stay on the boat and eat the buffet. No, nope, that do is any not true. That is not true. I was on okay. the balcony when we were cruising. We got off every stop. We did not buy excursions because remember. We took our yes. family to Italy for 30 days. So yeah, we told them, we have, ex- we have excursioned out, you guys. Yeah. And so we walked in every city and had the best time. It was great. I don't believe in excursions and I don't believe in watching activities. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I occasionally I'll jog in this park and it's on the water and it's beautiful. And there's all kinds of birds. I hear them. I'm not sitting there peeking in their homes, you know, like <laughs> peeking in their homes. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not a creep. I'm not a bird creep. Okay. But there's a lot of bird watchers out there and they come and they're all decked out in their bird watching year which is usually you know binoculars that look like you know they can see the surface of the you know high res images of the moon they're not even binoculars they're two telescopes 
attached to each other. They're huge. Right. Okay. Right. And they're, and they're, they're hiking shoes, but they don't even have cameras. Like, what is the <laughs> point? They're just watching them. Exactly. But, you know, just getting a close up view. Like I said, I, you're not even photographing these things, okay? But yeah, we but can here's look. the thing. I have an uncle who loves bird watching, but he does it th- as a photographer. So he yeah, goes that's around a, that, and that's he, photography. Well, hold on. But here's the thing: <laughs> is he takes photos of these birds and then like prints them out, and they're not as good as professional bird photos. So why oh. just go on the internet and get professional bird you photos of those bird birds? Photos. You're saying he's like, it's like my, my mom went out and took photos and is printing them for all of yes. us. Yes. And okay, it's like, yeah. he's like, look at these beautiful birds. And he's very proud of his bird photos. Aww. And I'm like, I these are not that good of bird photos, first of all. And you, you went too far on the Zoom and it's pixelated now, <laughs> uncle. And uncle. He, and I'm just like, but, why am I looking at bad pictures of your birds? Yeah, I don't even care. Photos. Jesse, yeah. have you never sat on your front porch and like watched the hummingbird come and get the food and you just like stare at them and it kind of makes you calm and it brings peace to your life? Does that ever happen at the Carey household? No, not at all. No, I do not. <laughs> they're find... not but they're not animal people. They don't do dogs. They don't do birds. They don't do anything. They just are okay. there. There. I have. You're missing out in some parts of life. I just want you to know. Yeah, I, you know, I, I guess it's like I said. I don't want birds peeking in my house. You know, I just feel like <laughs> I just I feel like the repu- the the relationship we have with wild animals. I feel like I just I'm comfortable with the space that I have with them. You know, they're doing their thing. I'm doing mine. You know, I grew up in a home. I grew up like the back of our house was woods, and so I grew up in a home where my mom loved nature and she loved inviting nature to the home. And so yeah. she would put out food for the birds, for the raccoons, mm. for the whatever to get them to come up to the house. So so then she could watch them. That kind of watching I'm used to. It's like nature comes to you and it's yeah. like, "Oh, that's cool. That's a beautiful hummingbird." Or that's a whatever. But I didn't have to go like traipse out in the woods for like 4 hours with binoculars to find that. Listen, you know, just if, lure them in. I will go watch nature and animals if the animal is doing a trick or is entertaining me in some way. Like frisbee dogs. <laughs> like a whale at SeaWorld? You know, I'm not speaking to Which morality. Like a squirrel other, that can yes. water Have ski. Have you ever seen okay. it? I know, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's been canceled and I understand why. It. And I've seen yeah. blackfish and I, I have <laughs> empathy for these whales. But pre-blackfish, I was at SeaWorld where they're still riding on those things and doing flips and Sitting dancing. Sitting in that zone. Yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. and basically doing a jock jams choreographed dance. <laughs> It is pretty thrilling. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I'll watch animals if the animals are trained to entertain me. Otherwise, I let them do their thing. You know, they're, they're in, they're just, they're, they're hanging. I believe it. I don't need to watch them. To, like I said, I got any, I get nature shows now have high res cameras that are right up in the habitat. Okay. I can see everything I need to see. If I'm going to go there, they better be doing something cool, like jumping through hoops or, or catching frisbees or, or wearing funny outfits or something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, none of this has anything to do with the show that we have planned for you today. Coming up later, we talk to, I don't know, you might have heard of them. Ron Howard and Vigo Mortensen wow. uh, are joining us on the show. New film. They're going to talk to us about. Very exciting. What is it called? Can you tell me? Yeah, it's called uh, 13 Lives. It's a, his new film. Ron's the uh, director and Vigo Mortensen stars in it. So You know, a lot of people tell me that my husband looks like Ron Howard. Hmm. I could see I've that. never seen your husband without a ball cap on, so I can't attest to that. All right. I'll Ron Howard, you know, if if you didn't, sometimes it's like, man, Ron Howard has to be like 
300 years old. I mean, he was literally in the Andy <laughs> Griffith show. He so was much. in Happy Days. Like, to me, those shows existed in like Arrested a, Development. A, a ancient history. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like his career. And he seems like a pretty, you know, reasonably young, sharp guy. But he has, you could talk to. You could talk to your great grandparent and say, what do you think about Ron Howard? And they would probably have an opinion because Ron Howard was a part just as much as their part of their life when they were watching Andy Griffith back in the day as they were your parents when they were watching Happy Days and us when we're watching any of his movies. It's quite impressive. Yeah, yeah, that that his career has spanned there. You could talk to people from multiple generations and Ron Howard was equally a prominent, an equally prominent part of their life in, from an entertainment perspective. That's that's pretty impressive. I don't know any other actor or, or filmmaker who who has had quite the career that spanned that long in in being such a prominent part of culture for a significant amount of time like that. And and now he's becoming a, a staple, a pillar of our podcast. We had Ron Howard on not even a year ago, which is why on today's show we have Vigo Mortensen join him just to mix it up because yeah. we don't want you guys to get. V- too much Ron Howard content. Vigo you know what I'm saying? Like, you had a, his daughter on too? Yeah, Bryce Howard is yeah. on. Yeah. Vigo yeah. Mortensen isn't even in the new 13 Lives movie. <laughs> we just wanted to spice up the Ron Howard thing and we just invited Vigo in. And Vigo wasn't even aware of the film. So it's, it's And a, I'd like to add that Ron Howard has been married since 1975 and that's also rare. So looky yeah. there. Good, Good for him. Him and Mrs. Howard. All right. There you go. So that's coming up later. We also have uh, your feedback at the end of the show. But stay tuned right now. Our Parisian correspondent, Tyler, t- joins us for Relevant Buzz. listening to coin the song is killing me season four of the chosen is in theaters now and the reviews that count are in amazing did not disappoint flurry of emotions it was powerful heartbreaking uplifting you have got to come and see it it is a message for everybody i highly recommend that you come out and see the chosen season four episodes one through three of the chosen season four are in theaters till february 14th so visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Buzz. Please welcome to the show Relevant Senior Editor and Chief Paris Bureau... <laughs> Paris Bureau Chief, <laughs> Tyler Huckabee. Tyler, what's going on this week? Hey, Amen. Uh, bonjour. Oh, what is going on this week? Hey, everybody. It's good to see you all. Well, there, there's always lots going on here in France, but before, but I'm not going to do any Paris updates this time. Uh, we'll spare you that. You can check on your own. I'm actually going to bring, we, we, I know we get a little nervous about this sometimes, but I feel good about this one. Uh, we're going to, we're going to dive into the world of American politics mm. for oh, just a minute. Are you, I don't know if you guys are watching the news or anything, or if you're aware of, of some political, wait, some political wait, contentiousness. Wait, are, you Tyler, bringing, are you bringing the Toby Mac thing? 
<laughs> is that what this is? <laughs> I was not going. No, I wasn't going oh, to. Yeah, Although I, I guess say, we could. I can't believe if you're going to unpack that. Oh man, we could because it is a it is a weird. I don't think anyone else has reported no, on it. I think that's so just weird. Tyler's world. Yeah, it's, it's a weird Tyler, one. Real quick, I need you. To, I want to get to this news. Yeah. I know it's very important, and you've prepared, yeah. but I need you to yeah. settle something for yeah. me. Before <laughs> okay. you came on, we were talking about the ethics of whale watching. For me, uh-huh. whales are intelligent the creatures. Ethics? Yeah. Or just not the ethics. Yeah. The, the interest level. Well, no. I, I I feel like I need to, I, I consider Tyler a very ethical person. Thank you. And to me, well, watching at its core is just rude. Okay. Like <laughs> staring at someone or just like the just, whales have no say yeah. in it. You We're mean? just watching them. We're just staring at them. That's the whole thing. They're smart. It's They're social creatures. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. If it was uh-huh. reversed, don't you think at the very least it's rude to just stare at an animal? They're just minding their business. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, see, I see where you're coming from, but I, I think whales are smart enough. Dude, they would want to. If they didn't want to be watched, they have the power to stop you from watching them. Oh. They can. They can go miles underneath. Yeah, they. That's they a can. Good point. They, they can. They can. They can capsize birds? your boat. They. They can end you what from watching birds? them. People yeah, just, birds are different. You, well, I've seen the. There's that Hitchcock movie rude. where they're it's like they finally had it up to here. Watchers, you know, yeah, they're like whale no watchers, more. bird watchers. Ooh. It's just rude. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. Anyway, <laughs> birds, what, if go? birds don't want to be watched, they can just go somewhere else. Be like, I'm gonna no, no, because people are walking around, <laughs> peeping around their nest with gigantic binoculars. It's very rude and very creepy. No other species. Maybe that's what no the whales are saying. Maybe the whales are like, please stop. <laughs> right next to my my desk right here, I have a big old fish tank, and there are two fish in particular that just sit there and stare at me all day. They watch me like I watch whales. You know? It's, it's very unsettling. Literally, they just zero, they just zoom in and they just like they don't swim around and do other fishy things. They just set and there. That's all and watch we're doing me. with whales. It's just a bunch of people peeking over the boat, just staring right at them. <laughs> I feel like I need to do something interesting or wave my arms around to give them some visual interest. You know, yeah, yeah, at least a whale. Like, yeah. Cheer for them or something. At least a whale will jump out of the water every once in a while and flip the tail off. What am I listening to? That's pretty much the extent of the whale's move. He can blow out of the blowhole or fling the tail off. <laughs> or kill you. Yeah, it's got, he's yeah. got There's three moves. <laughs> three moves. Yeah, um, I'll take the first two. I wasn't yeah. gonna bring. I wasn't gonna bring the Toby Mac news camera. But you think if, if you think it would be it's interesting a, okay, for our it's listeners a, it's a and visual, to the people on the, it's, it's an interesting. It, it is a visual thing, and I'm not prepared for it. I need to like collect my okay. data. So the the, the summary so is, is going on. Do y'all Mac? remember? Do y'all remember in the racial unrest of 2020 in St. Louis in particular? Yeah. There was this iconic photo of a rich white couple yes. standing in their driveway with guns <gasps> with their, right. yeah. as protesters right. walked Same by way. their neighborhood. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. That couple. Yes. Right. That man that. ran for office in this election last week, right? Okay. Ran for office. And here's the Senate. Here's how, here's in, how in he promoted himself. There is a Missouri state fair. And so he had a little speaking slot at the state fair. So he decided to do an online brochure of him, his picture, next to Ying Yang Twins and other performers. And it was vanilla. Like vanilla. Vanilla Ice. ice. So Ying Yang see, Twins and Vanilla come Ice. Come see Vanilla Ice and this guy at the state fair. And Vanilla Ice <laughs> got <laughs> enraged <laughs> and made him take it down. So then he then replaced his Vanilla because Ice. Because Vanilla brochure. Ice was going to be there anyway. anyway. It was going to be there any. He was slotted. So he was just, so he put out these ad and was like, we're both here, kind of hoping, but people would be like, "Oh, they're probably together." Yeah. Like I go see. <laughs> like, so, so then, right. Right. Vanilla I said, "Take it down." He took it down and replaced it with another performer at the state fair, Toby Mac. So he oh. put a big brochure out of Toby Mac <laughs> and this dude. 
Toby Mac told him to take it down. So then it, he took it down. And then the election happened this a couple days ago. And Tyler, what percentage of the vote did the guy get? Unfortunately, Mr. McCloskey got 3% oh, of the vote. Mr. And will not be representing... <laughs> Will not be representing Missouri, the good people of Missouri. What a good run he had in Washington D.C. Hey, good for y'all, Missouri. Hey, because I'd have been worried. I thought it was going to be like forty nine or forty eight. No, dude, no, dude. No, Tyler's no, giving no, us live no. updates in the staff chat of like, oh, he put up another brochure. And I was oh my god! Yeah. I feel like yeah. a red flag is that your primary campaign events at the state fair, like <laughs> right, right then, <there. laughs> yeah, right, right after the cow auction, <laughs> before Toby Mac takes the stage, you get a one minute slot. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. 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 So that was the, that was not going to be my slice. That was something that I was keeping an eye on. It's it's on my beat. I started seeing people like like get kind of mad at Toby Mac late at night. I was like, what? Who is? Why would it? Like, you don't need to cancel Toby Mac. Toby Mac's like let let that man be retired and national. Exactly. He's, he's fine. And then I realized what was going on, and that that tremendous the story. Anyway, so that can be that can be story one. That can be story one. The second story, I suppose, or the other the other story here is uh, is are you guys how how do you feel generally speaking about the two party system? Are you are you a person who would be like if a third party made some waves in the U.S. you'd be like yes I want I need a third I feel like my party my interests are not represented by either of the two political parties. I'm with exactly. I would like a third party. Right. Yeah, a thousand percent. The a problem is it, or fourth like, or fifth. You know, I, I just yeah, remember the, the Ron Paul eras and the Green Party and different things were just like sure. taking votes away from, you know, it's just like it splits and then yeah. the wrong guy yeah, gets. Yeah. Well, well, you know, like, zero, well uh, and that's well, and we've talked about this before, but, you know, we our style of democracy is zero sum game like there is a winner and there is a loser. Until there's like right. rank choice voting where yeah, they're right. actually it, it 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 rewards centricism, you know, and not being too extreme on either side. I do think a third party is either doomed or it won't it won't offer a third solution. It will supplant it like the best case scenario for it. It'll just take the place of one of two parties. I, I don't know with our current democratic mm. style that a third party will really work, mm-hmm. but I think, mm-hmm. you know, but having more options, yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, but uh, in reality, it's just, it it's feels like kind of if, a throwaway thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hard not to be cynical about uh, third parties options right now. There is. So all that to say, there is another one that's going to make a play for the, for your vote in the upcoming election here. Now this is called the forward party and it is a centrist party. So if you're somebody who thinks Republicans are a little too far right, Democrats are a little too far left. I want something kind of in the middle. Then this is the party that wants to get your vote. Now it does have a little bit of muscle behind it. Uh, former democratic presidential candidate, Andrew Yang is going to be the first chair of this party. He'll be joined by former Republican governor of New Jersey, Christine Todd Whitman. And they're going to be launching later this fall in Houston. So they don't really have, it's still very vague. They, they don't have like, they haven't put together a policy plan yet. Other than we plan to kind of be in the middle of things. We're going to try to, you know, we, we feel that both parties are getting a little too extreme. Andrew Yang is a former Democrat. He left his party last year. Uh, Governor Todd is a former Republican. She has also left her party and they're bringing together a lot of their old friends and a lot of their old connections and a lot of their old donors along with them. So they're hoping to have enough funding to actually kind of get this one off the ground, maybe in a way that like the green party did not, or or the DSA hasn't, or the Tea Party, any of these that tend to eventually get kind of rolled up into the broader party platforms. They're saying they don't, they're not worried about that for this one. 
you guys kind of jumped to the gun here uh, for me uh, in terms of what you think the party's odds are, but you're thinking that that uh, you're, you're not liking the chances, it sounds like. So y'all are saying this is the political ex-evangelical movement? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like just like, yeah, like I left, they deconstructed <laughs> and now they started the forward party. Well, ironically, isn't, isn't uh, I think I saw on Instagram, isn't uh, Don Miller at, have some involvement or... I yeah, saw yeah. him he posting was about oh, it. Wow. Yeah. He was helping them with their yeah. early fundraising and stuff. Oh, no, um, so what do they call themselves? Like if you're the part forward party, but if you're part of the party, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a forwarder. I'm a forwarder. Forwarder. The rural I thought of, yeah, I thought this, of this too. That's why it's not going to work because <laughs> people can't label themselves. I, you can't say. Did occur to which me. way does the arrow point? Which way does the forward arrow point? <laughs> to Jesus. Wait, right or left? Oh, yeah. Is it up? Is forward it up? to the left or to the right? Or is it coming out at you? They didn't think through the brain. Is it some sort of 3D logo? Yeah, where it's forward at the rear. It's a circle. It's a yeah. circle, Jesse. Listen, yeah. y'all. We spend most of our time on TikTok. If the branding ain't correct, some millennial is going to nuke happen. it. Or yeah. a Generation Z kid is going to nuke it. <laughs> I mean, years ago on this very pod, we had on Andrew WK, uh, who was, I think it was an interview only I wanted to do. I think everyone else on the cast and on the staff vetoed it because the entirety of the interview was talking about his third party plot, which was called the party party. And the he was party. very serious about it. And we talked for over half hour like about it. the party party. If y'all remember like, like late nineties, you know, hard rock, Andrew WK, like had this one hit. It was about party. And, and so then he later started the party party. Jesse thought it was hilarious. We thought it was hilarious. Let's bring him on. Ironically, thinking no, was he was in on the joke and he oh, came no. on to the interview with Jesse. <gasps> it was dead serious about the party party being <gasps> a real party. And we were like, Oh, we thought this was going to be a funny bit. And it wasn't, it was, it was, better. It? It was even hey. better. Did you air no. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah we I support, I support the party party. <laughs> that's Jesse's, that's Jesse's Heck whole yeah, thing. It's Heck just yeah, we did. awkward. This is amazing. It's one of the, my it favorite was the same interviews. era. Hold on, I need to show you something that a fan sent in one time. Hold on. The party. You got the party, you got party. the what not I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat. I'm a I'm I'm a party yeah, person. I'm a party, party. Party. I'm a party animal. I'm a party, a party animal. Man. Party animal. <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have donkeys, you have elephants and party animals. Yeah. And it's just it's just animal from Muppet Babies. Like the, the <laughs> I don't. I forget what election cycle it was. It was our Winter Park office. I just remember that. It's probably 2012. Okay. We were advocating for the need for a third party as well. Tyler was on the okay. podcast, and we ended up. I don't know how Jesse got us here, but and then a listener sent this in. I'm about to show you the dance party. Oh, that's dance right. Party. Oh the my dance gosh. party. Yeah, that's right. All that's that right. to say, Andrew Yang, Don Miller, this has been tried numerous times. Wait a second. Why do you have this 10-year-old shirt? Is it hanging up in the I have a whole bookshelf of like podcast jokes that people have sent in okay. over the years. Oh my gosh, and so I this love is, it. This is on the shelf. But yeah. Knowing, knowing we, we flirted with the dance party, we've had the party party, uh, there's been the green party, and now we have the forward party. Tyler, has, has there been any inclination of who, what kind of voters they're trying to court to 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 push push the forward forward? <laughs> <laughs> Just they, they they I mean they cited the study 
that came out from Reuters, I believe, last year, that two-thirds of Americans, two-thirds of Americans, want a different party. They don't like, they're not satisfied with the two-party system. So that's a that's a lot of people out there. That so they're is. right that those people exist. Now, the question they don't have an answer for is, A, do those people want a party that's in the middle, or are they like, Republicans are too moderate, I need a party that's going to go, you know, all the way for me, or Democrats are too soft, I need a party that's going to go all the way, le- you know, we don't know, mm-hmm. we just know they want another option on the ballot, which is fine, you know, most most countries, most democratic countries have more than two parties for their voters to choose from, America's sort of unique in this respect, generally there's like five or six, but, uh, but having one more party that's working against just mountains of infrastructure, generations of money, and uh, organization across then all 50 states, I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm pulling for it. It reminds me of, see, and it's not that, yeah, I think, I think, you know, diversity of thought is good, right? Like, so I think more Uh options and, 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 and the ability to engage at a higher level. But I remember uh, a headline that the onion ran back in 2016, because if there was ever a time that a third party, a legitimate third party candidate could emerge, it was when you had two of the most polarized, you, it was, that was the year that Trump was running against Hillary Clinton. Yeah. People in their own parties did right. not like either of those candidates. Right. And there was That's a third right. party that was actually, you know, getting votes. And it was Gary Johnson, the Libertarian Party at the time. Right. And he was doing so terrible on basic questions. You guys may remember he was asked, this was during the Syrian Civil War. Hey, what are your thoughts about what's happening in Aleppo? You know, there were these mass atrocities. Oh, and he was, and, and, he, and his this. response was, now, what is Aleppo? Like it was, yeah. but anyway, the Onion yeah. ran this great headline. They said, "Look, I wish I was better at this." Also, and but the the, the body <laughs> copy of it, so like even to this day, encapsulates why I don't think a third party will will work, even though I think it's admirable. Can I read just a brief bit of this uh, Onion article? <laughs> The 2016 president, and it's it's written as if it was a column from Gary Johnson in the middle of the campaign. The 2016 presidential race is unlike any we've ever seen before. Americans are as fed up as they've ever been with the establishment politics. The nation is confronted with two of the least popular major party nominees in modern history, and people everywhere seem hungry for a change at the status quo. As a result, there is a once in a lifetime opportunity here for a third party candidate to present a transformative new vision for our nation and win support of all voters across the country. And frankly, I'm just as disappointed as you are to realize I am in no way qualified to do that. Look, I get it. I really do. I wish I was better at this too. But I do, I feel like that 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 sentiment kind of encapsulates like, I don't know if any third party's going to be able to do it. I just, even when you had candidates that were wildly unpopular on both sides, it wasn't enough right. to get Someone who actually, you know, was a qualified, you know, a former governor to to pull votes. I think it's admirable, but I just don't know that it's going to work. I just don't think Americans care enough. I think they don't pay attention mm-hmm. enough. You got to think about the however many a couple hundred million don't vote every election cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, a people are totally disengaged. The people who are engaged just watch Fox News or CNN, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't think people are involved and new and understand the nuances enough to get they, they just kind of go they read the headline that's it you know so like i'm gonna go with the conservative guy or the pro-choice guy or whatever you know that's it that's all yeah. they know 
and they just don't pay enough attention to the issues, you know? So. And I think it feels scary for some people, too. They're like, I feel comfortable voting the way I've always voted. This is how my yeah. parents voted. This is how I'm going to yeah. vote. I can trust right. that it's going to line up with seven out of ten of my things. And so then finding this middle party feels scary, I feel like, to yeah. some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. Anyway, all right. What else you got, Tyler? Well, this is a, this is kind of interesting. If I were to so – I'm going to – we'll just do a show of hands around here. And uh, if you were to guess in America – would you guess that more men or more women tend to be religious? And uh, since we're talking America, Christian and religious kind of go hand in hand. But would you say it's generally more of a man thing or more of a woman thing? Well, just look at a church congregation. It's all middle-aged women. I mean, it's like... Yeah, I, I yeah mean, my, my vote would be women. I mean, I would guess women too, but I thought I read something recently that there was a switch. Hmm. Well, somebody's paying attention That's to relevantmagazine.com. Some, just... Somebody's reading. Somebody stays oh, on go. because that is that is correct, actually. But I don't know why. Yeah. I would love to know why. <laughs> we'll get into it. And we actually don't have a lot of data on the whys yet, but this is but this is true. Now, for many, many years, it has been true that women are have been the predominantly religious group in the country. Uh, and that started to, that gap, the gender gap between men and women have been shrinking a little bit over time. The number of people who identify as religious is, tends to be going down in the country. And as it's going down, the gender gap is also shrinking. Starting around millennials, that gender gap almost disappeared. You had an even number of men and women who said they were religious, along with an even number of men and women who said they were religious nuns. Now, with Gen Z, it has actually flipped for the first time. We have more men who say they are they identify as religious than women and uh, and we have more women who say they identify as religious nuns according to ryan burge uh said found the for people born after 2000 so this is gen z women born after 2000 are more likely to be a religious nun than a man is among 18 to 25 year olds 49 percent of women are nuns just 46 percent of men stay the same that's about the same numbers hold true for religious service attendants as well so it's not just they say they're religious it's what they're actually doing too it's how they're living their life they're going to church more now so this is going to be an interesting shift and uh uh jamie you you wondered about why do you have any theories about why this might be happening i don't it makes no sense i i i don't i can't figure out at all because mm -hmm. i know like women buy more christian books women do more like bible studies that are produced like mm -hmm. i don't know why so that Are would be a good no right they're not, the it's world? actually a slight majority slight <laughs> majority it's just about 50 50 but there's a few more women um there are two so we don't know is a short is it answer politics uh, is it uh, so derek's kind of veering towards the right direction it may be politics there is a <laughs> okay we, we're, there's only theories right now burge's theory okay. is okay. Uh, and i think there could be something to this i'm going to get you guys thoughts on it is that for the past decade or so uh, there has been such a push in the American church to get more men involved with all these men's conferences, with these, we got to make church more manly, the big guys nights, the wild at heart stuff, mm -hmm. the Mark Driscoll stuff. And in a way, it's been almost too successful that more women are now getting the idea that maybe you just don't want me here after all, because there's been a, there's a lack of outreach then to us. So they're kind of victims of their own success. Can I just say as, as a guy, single guy who goes to church by himself, <laughs> wow. women, we do want you there. I'm just saying. <laughs> this is what a feminist looks like. <laughs> Please don't listen to Tyler. Yes, come to church. Yeah. So glad you're throwing this out there. But you know, on your point, Cameron, it's interesting because a lot of churches, 
a lot of like single amazing women yeah. are like, where yeah. are the awesome Christian men? You know, so I go it to is- a live church in Orlando, <laughs> Florida. It's interesting. Uh, we have services <laughs> at nine and eleven. Uh, Find me in the lobby. <laughs> yeah, I'll hang out by the coffee bar. You see some guy just yeah hanging out by the coffee bar, just you know stacking little mini muffins on plates. Cool, it's probably me. Just a cool, nice. Ask me your number. Single, available, <laughs> interested guy. <laughs> yeah, got just awesome loving Jesus. Tank. Just loving <laughs> Jesus. Getting watched by fish. The, all day. the yeah. other theory put forward, and there might be something to this too. Is Derek kind of what you got at? Is that uh, the track record over the past few years for women in the church has not been very positive with the scandals coming out from the Southern Baptist Convention, the Catholic Church. Those are the two major Christian organizations, institutions in the country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and women have paid attention to those scandals and how the church has responded to those scandals and don't feel safe going to a religious service anymore. So those are the two theories. We actually, the, 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 simple, the simple answer is we don't know, but these are the hypotheses that are out there right now, and I'm sure we'll be learning more about that in the near future as we start looking into this data a little more. So interesting. I, interesting. I really, that's very surprising to me. That just is. looking at a typical congregation, yeah. it just seems to be two thirds female, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. Well, there's a lot more where that came from. Check out relevantmagazine.com every day when you're browsing the internet and follow us on the socials for the latest. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, everybody. Au revoir. Au revoir. Um, stay tuned. Up next, Ron Howard and Vigo Mortensen join us. Listening to Anna of the North and Gus Dapperton. The song is Meteorite. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad free. You get ad free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives, our beautifully designed digital issue, and a little more. Uh, check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. For our guests today, man, I'm excited. We have director Ron Howard and Vigo Mortensen, a.k.a. Aragorn from Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, They spoke to our very own Tyler Huckabee about their brand new film, 13 Lives, which tells the incredible true story of a group of young boys and their soccer coach who were rescued from a flooded underground cave in Thailand. You probably remember this story. It's a real story. It's crazy. Very dramatic. Check it out. Here's our conversation with Ron Howard and Vigo Mortensen. Hey, Rick. You following what's happening in Thailand? Some kids stuck in a cave. We're on the list of rescue divers. It's just a tourist cave. It looks easy, but when it's flooded, it's impassable. So, 
13 Lives is, uh, of course, the story of the rescue mission for the group of young boys and their soccer coach who were trapped in a collapsing cave in Thailand and the international group of experts and engineers who came together to try to get them out. Uh, we were able to speak with Ron Howard, the director, and a number of the actors who were involved in this movie, which I really did. And I, I think it's truly one of Ron Howard's best, uh, one of the best Ron Howard movies we've gotten in a long time. I look forward to being, people being able to see it. And uh, the, for this first clip that we got from this conversation is Ron Howard uh, talking about the points of this story, of a very complicated story that, uh, that he felt were really, really important to communicate to people, uh, how you narrow down which parts of the story you want to tell. And here's what he had to say. Well, it really was in, in almost entirely built around the sort of the key turning points and the sort of critical challenges and, and the way that they were met. Um, you know, there's a there's a scene in Apollo 13 that people like to reference uh, and they, they it shows up on clips to this day. And it's where they they throw all of this junk on the table and they say, this is what they have for us to you know fix their oxygen system there. This is all they have on board to work with. We're going to have to figure it out. And they do. That's based on a real event. But when I read this script, not only were there many surprises in terms of the, the, the wide variety of um, heroic selfless acts that that were demonstrated that I didn't know about. In addition to, of course, the heroism and the remarkable feat that the, that the divers uh, achieved. But there was this sort of seat of your pants problem solving that was going on under, under duress and under pressure. And I was, I was fascinated by that. So I tried to lay out sort of what the technical problems were, what the emotional challenges were, where the physical threats were, and just keep building scenes around that and and look with a with a scripted dramatic dramatized version of an event like this what you have are great actors and you have and you have scenes that you can construct to make these points and so yes there's that larger theme that you were talking about but it's also the price that people pay the investment that they make that that of course you don't see in a headline but if if you're an audience member it can make the film very uh you know relatable create sympathy create suspense uh and 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 it just reminds us and and look this is what the real heroes did for us it, it creates a kind of an object lesson in what is possible uh, but but of course, and it and you know they're, it's they're people, they're people making decisions, and in this case, a lot of courageous people and volunteers. When you see this movie, which I hope you do, uh, you'll see that a lot of it is not in English. A lot of it is in uh, different languages, including predominantly Thai, of course, since that's where most of the story takes place. And uh, that was actually a very deliberate decision. There's uh, in a lot of movies, you might see like the actors who are Thai speaking in like kind of like Thai accents or something like that instead. But, but this movie is all very true to the languages and use of subtitles. Uh, that's something that probably wouldn't have happened a few years ago. And, and here's Ron Howard explaining why they chose to do it that way. Well, audiences are more and more sophisticated all the time, thanks in large part to streaming, but also it's just the evolution of it. I've seen it my entire career. Audiences are becoming more discerning. They're smarter. And I and, you know, this is an expectation now. Um, I, I don't think people want to, things to be sort of homogenized and simplified. I think, in fact, a story like this, you know, they want what's granular and they want it to feel authentic 
and true. Uh, and uh, so I, I never blinked about that. And fortunately, um, you know, the studio executives were very, very supportive. But, you know, it was a screenwriter writing a script in English. Is a director who doesn't speak Thai. And so that's where somebody like Raymond, uh, as one of our producers, uh, who's also a writer, could come in and work with this translation and help me deputize the cast to, and say, don't let us make mistakes here. Don't, uh, you know, uh, yes, you're professionals and you're doing your job, but part of your job here is to make this play as if it was a Thai movie. And, and your scenes and the details of it are so vitally important to me in that way. And everyone rose to the occasion and, and, and brought a lot of detail, not just changing the dialogue, but ideas for moments within the scenes and attitudes that just enriched it. And I think, uh, you know, we all, you know, all, all of us foreigners working on the film really appreciated it. They're here. How many of you? Thirteen. Thirteen? They're all alive. Uh, can we go out now? So in this movie, and this was a really cool uh, part of the conversation, something that I was not aware of, but when in 13 Lives, when you see some of the, the very tense and very complex diving scenes taking place in these caves, uh, that is the real actors. That is Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen and others who are actually in these diving suits. That was not apparently originally part of the plan. They were going to hire stuntmen to do this. But uh, according to, to Viggo and to Ron in this conversation we're about to share, uh, this was something that the actors really almost insisted that they do to preserve the authenticity of the movie. Ron is a remarkable storyteller. And the way he did this movie, it's like a giant independent film. You talked about the subtitling, you know, that there's actually the Thai actors are speaking Thai. I mean, this is a movie that was made 20, 30 years ago or by another kind of director. All the Thai characters would be speaking English and it would be mainly about the Westerners and some heroic thing. This was not that. And it wasn't a special effects movie. We were underwater. We were really doing these things. And once they realized we could do it and Rick said to Ron, no, I think these guys have learned enough that they can really do this. We could, you know, we'll supervise all the time and be careful, but they can safely do it, which allowed Ron to see us up close under there. It's not like they took our heads and put them on right. stuntmen. I just have to jump in because <laughs> it's a, it, to give you a sense of, of uh, Vigo's focus, uh, Colin as well, and, and, and everyone, um, it wasn't quite like that where I said, oh, I guess you guys can do all the diving. Vigo, there's like practically an intervention. Vigo came <laughs> in and said, we, this is so much a part of our character. And now that we understand it and, and talk with Rick, but I think he'll see that we can do it safely, which Rick confirmed. And so did our stunt coordinator. Uh, I please schedule it. So we do all the diving. Well, that's a totally preposterous idea for a production as complicated as this one. And we had money, but not, not that much money. And, I said, I've said, Vigo, Colin, I appreciate what you're saying, but I don't know if I can do that. And they literally said, um, whatever it takes for us, we will forego overtime. We will, we will forget about our turnaround. I get, oh, sorry, SAG, Screen Actors Guild. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll go in on Saturdays and Sundays. And they did it. And they worked so hard because at that point, they said, this is a part of our character and, and cave diving is so specific and we've learned and we got to do it. So it, that 
allowed me the director to create these kind of long lingering shots that would resolve on their faces and you would recognize that in these tight spots twisting turning moving their tanks reaching up pulling themselves along the rocks that's them and they did it they did every bit of it all all, everybody did and finally here i I found this quite poignant at the towards the end of the conversation uh viggo mortensen uh opened up about not just what he found sort of unique about this shooting experience but uh, also unique about the real life story they're telling and what made it so different and so compelling to all of us who watched it when it was actually happening and and to what made it such an unusual story to tell now and uh, I won't put any words in his mouth. You can hear him explain it here. As far as the actors, w- one thing that's great about this movie is that everybody in it, just like in the real story that we're referencing, is a supporting actor. There are no lead actors in this movie or in this story. It's great nowadays. I mean, when when so many of uh, the so-called leaders in this country and in countries around the world exhibit a kind of not all of them but many of them uh, selfish greedy dishonest behavior as something to to have as an example it's wonderful that you have a recent event that exemplifies selfless collaboration for the common good you know nobody was doing this neither rick nor any of the others none of the thai people were doing this because they were going to get rich because they were going to gain new territory, because they were going to get political power. People did it because it was the right thing to do. And it it does show like the best of us, that humans are capable of doing amazing things together. And we sometimes forget that. And we even sort of get um, fascinated by people who behave really badly and selfishly. It's like, wow, that's cool. Look how they got that done. They've got power and maybe I should vote for that person. And it's like, no, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe these people, most of whom are pretty much all of, none of them were known people, famous people, they got together and did something amazing for all the right reasons, you know, and we can do that more. Man's already died. We do nothing. We'll be bringing him out dead for sure. So you are expecting casualties? Yes. I expect casualties. That was Ron Howard and Viggo Mortensen. Make sure to check out their new film, 13 Lives. Stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. You're listening to U.S. Girls. The song is So Typically Now. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we got talking about uh, creative and cheap ways to have fun. I actually don't remember why we were talking about that. Do you? Summer? Was it summer break? We were on a road trip. Maybe it was something like that. I don't yeah, know. Anyway, we hit you up or you hit us up at uh, Relevant Podcast on Twitter and told us some of your creative and cheap ways to have fun. Uh, this summer. Here's some of our favorites. Well, looky, looky, looky what JD Faith Journey said. Bird watching. <laughs> I saw that. Bird watching. One, 
One, I'm trying to have fun, not reduce fun. Okay, oh, that's if hilarious. You're looking at, hey, how could I? How could I find a way to be actively more bored? I know. I'll go look at birds, and it shouldn't be bird watching. It should be bird creeping, because that's what you're doing. You don't have their consent. You're just peeping in on whatever that bird's doing. I want to be friends with Steph Austin Austini. She said in high school we used to go to the 24-hour Walmart at midnight and play hide and seek. Oh my Heck gosh. Yeah. I would play around in like the camping aisle and stuff and like spray my friends with the deer pee and all that stuff. Oh like, wow. Yeah, that's but, that's yourself kicked some, out. But yeah, that's wild. Yeah, hide and seek though. That Yeah. That's a great idea. Leanne says this taco nights with friends. Everyone brings a portion of the meal so it's cheaper for everyone versus dinner out. That is some creative, cheap fun. Everyone yeah. brings something. Right. So Israel says, uh, we spontaneously held our own America's Got Talent one evening with judges and everything. We baked together for fun, too. So Looky there. that's kind of crazy. Amer- your own America's Got Talent. That would be, that would, I think that would be They fire. have to have a lot of kids if they've got people in the talent show and judges. Like that's just Maybe that's a lot like of people. Maybe they got like friends, friends as yeah. judges or something. But, but, but the thing is, but the thing is someone has to be the Simon Cowell of the situation. And so your little, <laughs> yeah. oh, your little yeah. niece, oh, yeah. your little niece, uh, <laughs> her dance ain't cutting it. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> dreadful. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Yeah, like, Look, I've seen America's Got Talent. Someone's crying. Okay, you're. <laughs> I was like, someone's gonna be crying. Or it's not America's Got Talent. It's just a fun family talent show. Have you seen? I didn't know this happened, but on TikTok the last couple of days, for some reason, I've seen like the footage of the early Harry Styles Britain's Got Talent Mm-mm. episode. No. Did you know this? No. Twelve no. years ago, he appeared on Britain's Got Talent. Simon Cowell was one of the judges. And he had this whole thing. He was like, well, what do you do? He's like, I work at a bake shop. And he, he was just a kid Please who worked at a bake shop. It was like magic or something unrelated. <laughs> no, and, he yeah. like, and he <laughs> said, well, why are you here? He said, I'm going to sing. And he said, well, you know, who's, are you good? And he said, well, my mom tells me I'm good. I don't know. Aww. And he said, he said, all moms say that. He goes, well, that's why I'm here. I would like you to tell me if I'm good. And that's so good. then the footage is he starts to sing this cover of Hey Soul Sister, that song. And it's terrible. He's flat. It's awful. Like, I do not know how this kid became famous. Like, he's he was awful on his first TV episode anyway. I, but that was Britain's Got Talent. Maybe what did Simon standards. say? I, the clip, it's they, TikTok. It didn't part. go all the okay, way yeah. to the end. I didn't see what the feedback was. But anyway. But that's the thing about, like, working with creatives as long as I've worked with, like, singers. Man, it's it does it. The turnaround between really bad and really good for the right person is literally a summer. Wow. Like, it's a string of, it's a string of songs. Like, like, no lie. I was one of the, I mean, I was one of those artists. If you heard one of my earlier like records, like all of my earlier music, all my friends would talk about like, man, we knew the only thing you had the charisma and the drive, but the music wasn't there. And it was literally, I remember for myself one summer, all of a sudden everybody was like, they're getting the, the stank face on mm. all the music. And it's like, I had found the thing. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, there's, there's, I think with creatives, there's like peaks or there's like, you know, like it's almost like the stock market. It like goes up. Then you kind of plateau for a little bit and then it hits another level. I think, but for, for singers, that's a real thing, man. I've seen a lot of people go from the ugly duckling to amazing. Wow. And like, and like projects, you know, it could be one produce. It could be working with one producer, someone who told you something about your voice that you didn't know mm. or gave you a technique and like that. Boom. They're off to the races. Derek, if you were my producer and I have been mm-hmm. toned, 
told that I am tone deaf, like legitimately mm-hmm. tone deaf. Could you get <laughs> right. me from that to singing? You have to have some talent. Well, so the, that's the, the, the <laughs> but see, this is the thing though. The thing about the thing about great art and the thing about like being a creative is not about me trying to make you into uh Adele. That's not that's not the goal. The goal is, okay, well, what are you good at? And let's find that and do that a hundred times over. So that would for me, I would be like, okay. I've worked with artists that can't really, they're really pitchy and stuff that we got auto tune for that. We fixed that. If you got the charisma and you got the songwriting ability, all the technical stuff we can fix. Now, when you do live shows, that's a problem. I'd like for you. I think we could settle it right now, and we can guide you. I, could you? I, but could you do a couple studio, bars? I got you, Jamie. You a couple Listen, bars go of, to the studio. Of, of "Hey Soul Sister," really any train song. Meet Virginia. Listen, any any song by train. the band yeah. Train, and we'll tell Y'all. you. Listen, I'll be singing away and Aaron will really look at me and he'll go, do you hear what they're singing? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing the exact same thing. And he's like, no, it's not. In fact, last week on our family vacation, I was singing a song at the table and my 18 year old son looked at me. He said, I figured it out. You sound like a Muppet. That's what you sound like. You sound like a Muppet. (laughs) Well, listen, I haven't watched a lot of America's Got Talent, but last time I checked, whether they're doing comedy, magic or music, a puppet or a Muppet is involved with like at least a third of the acts from what I remember from that show. Hey, listen, I am fine with this. I don't care. I know I'm tone deaf and I still sing a joyful noise to the Lord. That's okay. That's all you ask for. We just get you your own little personal Mm auto-tune so it don't affect everybody else. There you go. I have an actual question for you. So you talk about your first album or your first music and your friends now are like, yeah, we knew you had something, but it wasn't it yet. Now you're there. Yeah. Did they tell you at the time? No, Mm. no, no, no. But do you know what the thing is? They may have told me and I probably wouldn't have listened. Like I was so bullheaded. And so like, I knew I was going to do this. Like, so yeah, but I remember my partner Mo. Like, I mean, being honest, like in Nashville, I wasn't really coming up. I wasn't really one of the ones people were like, he's going to be that guy as far as talent is concerned. It was really just timing, timing. And like I said, it was like one summer where the music just clicked. And and that that happens for a lot of artists where you will hear their early stuff. And it also, it also happens the other way, too, where you hear someone come out the gate and you're like, oh, that person is fire but they never progress in their talent and then it, it gets stale and it gets old and it doesn't grow. You know, it's, it's really like any other, yeah. being an artist is like any other craft. Like you have to work at it, you have to develop it and you have to have the right people to help you develop it. And, and, and if you take someone that's a really good producer and you put an artist in the room with that producer, they're going to leave different. It, it, it's interesting. I remember listening to interviews with Jack White one time and, and the interview was like, Oh, you should sing the national anthem at like a ball game or, or something. And he was like, no, I can never do that. Cause I'm not a singer. I'm a vocalist and went and mm. basically he knew for him the difference in the range of what he could do and couldn't do. And, and, and that allowed him to focus on a certain style that worked without veering outside yes. of it, you know? Yes. I think a lot of people should think about that before they say yes to singing the national anthem. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Hey, the <laughs> national anthem has made uh-huh. mice of men mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. It's, Cause it's, it's in a hard range. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's up there and then you have people that have literally killed it, right? So you want to kill it and then, you know, it's it's loud. Mm-hmm. You got, 
usually at a stadium, you know, if the sound ain't right there, man, we've seen this national anthem humble a lot of people <laughs> Dude, over our years. Hey, sure. have you have you heard anything from Fergie since she man. since her national anthem? Man, just the it, it killed her career. It, was, it, it was, killed her yeah, career. Rough. She's done. It was rough. <laughs> yeah. It was rough. Yeah, it was man, at the NBA All Star game, and yeah. the one thing you don't want to do is have a whole bunch of NBA players lined up listening to you butcher that thing because those cameras are going to go onto their faces and they can't hide it. They're trying to be respectful, but they're just like, "Oh Jesus!" <laughs> you know, what I mean, it was man, just like it was yeah. rough. Yeah, it was rough. Anyway, all right, that'll do it for last week's feedback. You can go see more uh, on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. Okay, we were talking politics. You know, we after the last election cycle, we're done. We're done with that. We're, we've moved on. We've turned the page when we enter the new year. We're not talking politics anymore, but we got into it. So we got to talk about third party. So let's let's just reset here. What's your vision? If you were launching a third party, what would the branding be? What would the platform be? What would you do to be unique and stand out and fill a gap in the current political spectrum? Can I give a suggestion? I like the gangster. I like the gangster party. Gangsta and we're gonna party. make we're gonna make Snoop gonna be the, the first chair. <laughs> I'd vote. Yeah, my vote. <laughs> I, I think that, Snoop, I'd vote for Snoop. That, the gangster party and Snoop gonna be the first. Who doesn't like Snoop? The, you know what I'm saying? Like he'd bring us all together. Do it. Martha and we're gonna Stewart make Tupac loves the Snoop. Logo. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Tupac the logo, just like just like Jerry West. Yep. Tupac our Jerry West. I love it. Put them on the dollar. Their own currency. Party 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 bucks. I think the problem is I think it's I think it's all about a mindset, right? Like, you know, people get bummed out by politics. Let's just make it a little bit just inject a little optimism with the birthday party. Because everyone loves a birthday. <laughs> Birthday's oh, everyone's God. like favorite day. And then Washington, even Washington, DC. Party City, okay? The birthday party at Party City. We're rebranding. Oh it's gosh. a mindset thing, guys. Because everyone's like, oh, Party City, that's kind of cool. But Washington, oh, that's so boring, you know? That's the kind of thinking that's going to bring us. This is what we want. Think out of the box, people. Mm -hmm. So the Party City locations in your town would be like embassies? Or, or like exactly. campaign exactly. headquarters? Like yeah, yeah, exactly. And you'd come in there, just be a great time. It's it's It's... <laughs> It's like your birthday every day, you know. Oh, it's, that's okay. that's that's our slogan: your birthday every day. I mean, the birthday party. I already have swag for my party, the dance party. I mean, I there have a go. logo yeah. that a listener made we ten years ago. Party. I think all these parties can work this, together. Here's this, Jesse: the birthday party where you can have your cake and eat it too. There Boom. it is. Boom. Done. You're <laughs> our first candidate, Jamie. Peace and yeah. prosperity. We got Snoop. <laughs> we got Snoop. I believe that the, the gangster party. Will be the one that's going to work. I could see, I could see these parties, you know, working together. You know, coming yeah. across the aisle, the gangster party and the birthday party coming together to heal this nation. Hey, that's All a, right, that's a party it. I'd go to. Yep, me too. All right, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and uh, follow Relevant on IG. We'll post it there as well. You can answer in the stories. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Ron Howard and Vigo Mortensen for joining us today. What a dynamic duo. That's crazy. Make sure to catch 13 Lives. It is out today on Amazon Prime. You can watch it right now. You listen to this podcast, go flip on your TV, watch the movie. Also, hey, while you're doing stuff online or going to Amazon Prime, be sure to check out relevantmagazine.com. Head over to our site and check out all of our great daily content. And while you're there, make sure to check out our summer digital magazine that features the likes of Naomi Rain from Mav City Music, John Favreau, Rain Wilson, 
um, James McMorrow, so much more. It's just packed. Go check it out. It's available for free thanks to our sponsor, uh, World Vision. They're the presenting sponsor of our summer issue. Don't miss that. Also, if you're a Relevant Plus subscriber, you get the Enhanced Digital Edition ad-free. It's available in your dashboard. Don't miss it. Go get it. It's beautifully designed for tablets and desktop and all your devices. Uh, don't don't miss that. Also, if you haven't signed up for Relevant Plus, it's the best way to experience our content. You get an ad-free, unlimited reading experience at relevantmagazine.com. You get an exclusive, early-released edition of this podcast that's ad-free. You get an extra weekly podcast, the Relevant Plus Conversations, an unedited look at the long-form conversations and interviews that we do ad-free. It's Everything's ad-free. You're paying for it. Plans start as low as $250 a month. It's a great deal. Go check it out. Relevant Plus. It's all the information is right there at relevantmagazine.com. Also, make sure to swing by relevantstore.com and check out all of our merch or podcast fan gear and all this other stuff. There's some good deals going on right now at relevantstore.com. Okay. On that note, I'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We'll see you next time. Have a good week, everyone. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Your for forwarder, 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 the rural juror, the rural juror. Relevant Podcast Network. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.